It's been nearly 10 years since I've been working professionally in sports media. It's pretty much all I know. I've always had the mentality that what I do for a living is really not all that important, and I think that's right. After all, I'm not in the medical field, I'm not a first responder or part of the military, and I'm also not a truck driver or a grocery store or restaurant employee. These are people who are more important than ever right now. Obviously, there are a multitude of other professions that are much more vital than what I do for a living, and I get that. Further, working in the sports industry leads you to take sports for granted. For many of you listening, Oklahoma football is a welcome distraction from your everyday life. And it's not just the Sooners that you care about, I'm sure. You all hold allegiances to other teams in different sports, depending on your tastes, One of your favorite teams is likely in action all throughout the calendar year. No matter the month, there's always a team to follow, a game to watch, something to entertain you and perhaps help you escape from whatever else may be giving you problems in the real world. You all probably don't take sports for granted, like me. I envy that. I really do. But after what's happened this month, there's absolutely no chance I'll be taking sports for granted ever again. I still don't think what I do for a living is all that important, but I do have a new appreciation for all the athletes and coaches involved in sports. What they do is actually more important than I ever imagined. The old saying goes, you never know what you had until it's gone. Sports are gone, and we don't know when they're coming back, but when they do return, they'll be more appreciated than ever, and rightfully so. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. And never did I ever think I'd be hosting a podcast in the middle of a worldwide pandemic that actually affected the sports world to the point where sports didn't exist anymore. But here we are. The last time we all talked, we were a week away from spring practice, I believe, something like that. And I think it'd be impossible to recap everything that's happened in the real world and the sports world since then. But of course, because this is an Oklahoma football podcast today, we're going to talk a little bit about what we learned before spring football was put on hiatus and, you know, what all that could mean for the Sooners if these spring practice dates are not made up before fall camp is scheduled to start later on this year. Lincoln Riley looks like he's got a pretty good shot at 2021 five-star quarterback Caleb Williams. I've recently watched a little bit of film on him. I know Grant has seen tape on him as well. And, you know, since we're living in a world without any spring football, might as well talk a little bit about recruiting and the future of what could be the Oklahoma quarterback position. Of course, Trey Sermon, he's transferring to Ohio State. How much does that matter? Plus, uh, you know, anything else that comes to our mind in the sports world, I'm sure we'll touch on. And after we're done with all of the current news of the day, the plan is to look back at some of the preseason predictions that Grant and I made back in August. And I know, I know it's been seven months since then, and we haven't gone back on the show and looked at those. I know the last couple of seasons we've done that. Uh, but today we're going to we're going to do that because you know, we have nothing but time and we're hoping that that maybe provides a little bit of comic relief and potentially some uh, some moments of us kind of raising our eyebrows and thinking, oh yeah we said that or oh no we said that so we'll see how that goes uh, we'll also talk about some of the worst predictions and some of the worst takes that we've ever heard or that we've ever had ourselves because there's been probably plenty and we'll also be uh, we'll be breaking up a portion of uh, this podcast. We're going to do this in two separate episodes. So in that case, it won't be one long episode. We'll try to break it up into two somewhat uh, manageable 
podcast episodes. So that way as well, you'll have a couple of different podcasts to listen to this week. So with that all out of the way, Grant has been standing by as I've gone over this uh, opening soliloquy. We'll bring him in now. And Grant, the world uh, since the last time we talked is uh, quite a bit different. Boy, that escalated quickly, didn't it? So it was actually uh, kind of a kind of an, o- an OKC connection here. It was actually that 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 Thunder game that got called and with the with the coronavirus stuff, and then of course Rudy Gobert was was tested positive. That was the moment that my eyes were open to everything, and and then that's basically at that moment I was like, oh, okay, so this is real then. Um, so yeah, just really a really weird and unprecedented times. I you know I I, I don't really know what to say that already hasn't been said but i mean we're all kind of in this together right now we're all sitting at home quarantined and hopefully we can have a good podcast for you guys for some entertainment yeah the most difficult part about all of this is there's no timetable we don't know and if anybody tells you they know they're lying because nobody knows for sure what's going to happen i mean we can all have predictions and takes because that's what we do a lot of the time I know I have some thoughts and some takes about when this will, you know, the chances of when this will all be over with or when sports will start. But it doesn't mean I'm going to be right. It doesn't mean that you're going to be right about what do you think, too. So uh, that's the most annoying part is we don't know. And we need a plan. And once a plan and once, I guess, a date and timetable is set, I think it'll be a little bit more manageable to get through whatever the heck we're going through right now, whether it be the real world. Or whether it be actually, hey, what's the sports schedule look like for the summertime or, you know, hopefully the uh, late springtime. So I think that's the uh, would you say that's the the most frustrating part is that we just do not know enough information? Well, of course. I mean, this is all this is all scary. And the unknown is scary. It's a very human thing. And I I think this has been sort of a unique circumstance where um, it seems like we have tons of information being thrown at us at all times. And also at the same time, we don't really have a lot of information. And that a lot of the time, that is sort of what is driving this response. And it's scary. So, you know, I, I like I said, I mean, we're all I think we're all feeling a little bit of anxiety about it. Um, but God, what else can you do but just sit and just wait for more information? Because I and and yeah, I, I'm going stir crazy, too. It's weird. All right, I don't think people came to this podcast for our thoughts on COVID-19, so you know what? Let's move on past that. Let's talk a little bit about spring practice. And, heck, it it happened for, I believe, one practice. I think they got one practice in before it was – I'm not going to say canceled because we don't know for sure if everything is technically fully canceled. Look at the spring game, by the way. I mean, it's not going to happen on April 18th like originally planned. Uh, and Joe Castiglione has said that it's impossible to say right now if it's going to be rescheduled, but he hasn't gone out and straight up canceled it. And again, he said it's impossible to know right now if they can reschedule the the spring game, and that just kind of goes along with what we talked about two minutes ago. We don't know anything. There's no concrete information. There's no timetable. So who knows if there will be some sort of spring practice, but uh, as of... This recording, I believe they got one practice in, and we have one press conference from Lincoln Riley, and we have the next day we had one media availability from Lincoln Riley and one media availability from Alex Grinch, and actually a lot of good stuff from Alex Grinch. I'm sure you're not surprised by that, Grant, and we actually have a couple sound bites to play from Alex Grinch 
because uh, I was able to be at all the spring media availabilities. Granted, there was only uh, two of them. And we didn't get a chance to even go and watch practice for the first 20 minutes, which was scheduled for the Thursday, which was the day after Rudy Gobert and the Thunder, that whole thing happened. So everything got got stopped. So um, I know that you're probably not thinking a whole lot about spring practice now, Grant, but let me tee it up for you. What was the I know we talked about this, I guess, going into spring ball. And now that you know, we know that it started for a day. I know you follow along. You weren't at the availabilities. I mean, what, did anything come out of Lincoln Riley's initial press conference or that Tuesday when Alex Grinch talked and Lincoln Riley talked about the first day of practice? Did anything catch your eye that you want to definitely talk about to start the show? Yeah, from like a from a roster standpoint, I thought the the most eye catching things uh, were the the position changes for Jamal Morris and Robert Barnes. I, I thought that was the most interesting. They're both going to be moving to linebacker, um, and I think that's smart. That's good. That's kind of where the game is going now. Sort of small, more shifty, faster linebackers. Um, and I don't know, Lee, have you said that maybe that would be a good idea for Robert Barnes in the future? I don't know if you had said that or, or if that was just you talking about a nickelback or whatever. Um, well, yeah, I was going to talk about later in the show about how one of my worst predictions of last year, everyone knows, is that I thought Barnes would be the starting nickel. I have not talked about how Barnes would be a, a good switch to linebacker. I know the day that happened, there was a lot of people on the OU media beat, I think I saw, that was saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so... Is that what you want to kind of go in? I, I don't know if that really makes sense. Like, I don't, I guess obviously he, he wasn't cutting it as a secondary player. Uh, he had more than enough opportunities all last year to, to find a spot, and he didn't. And Alex Grinch was not afraid to give anybody a shot. Uh, it, and we'll talk a lot about it a little bit here. I mean, he had a question about the defensive line last season and he made it very clear hey whoever you saw out there playing on the d-line last year was because those are the guys that we thought could contribute if they didn't play it's because we didn't think they were ready and so that tells me that that line of thinking was on at every single level of the defense therefore robert barnes had a shot but uh, he couldn't cut it whether it be at nickel whether it be at safety uh, or uh, he's on a corner so uh, so i suppose moving into linebacker yeah he's got a, a a fresh start and potentially more of a shot, especially with uh, Kenneth Murray leaving. And now there's, in theory, you know, there, there's an open starting spot. But I'm not so sure that uh, that's going to make a whole lot of a difference, to be honest with you, Grant. What, did, what was your initial thoughts about him moving to a linebacker? No, I mean, and I don't think it's like it's absolutely going to work or anything like that. I just found it interesting. Um, mostly just because when, when Robert Barnes is, you know, was effective as a safety, it was typically up around the line of scrimmage in the box. That's he, true. He, he's a That's big true. body. He's a big body, um, and presumably you you would hope that he's he's going to run pretty well uh, for that size at linebacker. And you know, at, at this point in time, this is going to be his fourth year in the program. It's clearly not working out at, at safety. And if he's a bigger guy who you wanted up near the box anyway as a safety, um, and your light, you know, your your depth is definitely light at linebacker. I I, I don't see that. This is something that I'm just not surprised about, and I, and I like it. I I think this is more. Uh, of of where the game is going, and, and you want kind of you want smaller, faster, rangier linebackers there, um, and you know Gary Patterson at TCU has had you know has made a career of doing this, converting safeties to linebackers, and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here. In fact, I, I would say the most likely scenario is that he's just the backup, and we don't really hear much from him. Uh, but you never know. You, who knows um, when a position change can can make the light come on? And Lincoln Riley talked about how. 
Morris and Barnes are both going to put on some more weight, and they're going to monitor that. And Barnes listed at 6'2", 215. Perhaps, you know, throughout the summer camp, summertime, if he really wants to buy in, he could put on another 10 pounds, you know, get up to 225, which, you know, that's a, that'd be a really good size. I mean, Deshaun White's 6'2", 223. So, I mean, uh, you know, that would be a good spot. I mean, Jamal Morris is listed at 6'2", 211. So they're both very similar in size, Morris and Barnes. And, yeah, I, I think that's the key is that he hasn't made any headway, Barnes, that is, in the secondary. Might as well give him a shot playing linebacker, see what he can do. And especially if he can put on some more weight, uh, that, that'll help a little bit. And then when it comes to Joel Morris, we don't know anything about him. We haven't seen him play any meaningful snaps at all in real life action in the secondary. So that's kind of just one of those guys we're going to have to wait and see on. Uh, I do have some sound from Alex Grinch talking about Barnes and Morris changing positions. So let's play that right now. I expect them to compete. I mean, we, we don't move anybody to be a backup. We don't move anybody to be a depth guy. Um, you know, we, we talked about over a year's time, and we were, we're dying for dying for depth. And so, you know, anytime we can, you know, shuffle the deck and put guys in position, hope you know, number one, what's what's best for the you know University of Oklahoma football team, and then combine with that one A and then one B is what's best for them, and and try to find that marriage that way. And so that that's uh, obviously. You know, first day, no pads and all those things. So work in progress, those things. But but we do it with the intention of the guys having the chance to, to compete and produce and uh, help us win football games. <laughs> Man, I, like in the middle of that, he talked about how it was the first day with no pads. Uh, we're recording this, Grant, uh, exactly two weeks uh, two weeks after Alex Grinch made those comments. And I, I was there for it. And it seems like it was two months ago at this point because so many things have happened. Jeez, that in the was world two weeks ago? World. Two weeks ago today, we're recording this Tuesday, March 24th. So pretty crazy. Oh, dear. But uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, Grinch said it. Hey, they don't move guys to be backups. I mean, they're they move people around with the intention of giving them a shot to, to start and play meaningful snaps. So how, we'll see. Uh, man, how much of that do you think is just coach speak? Of course, they move guys around for depth. I feel, I feel <laughs> like it's just right. You have to do that if you're just like a responsible, you know, steward of your team. Don't you? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Yeah, you're right. I don't just, have a problem it, it with it. A little I was bit better. Just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. I think it would have a lot more coach speakness if it was going on uh, before fall camp, like kickoff was a month away. But when it's said in early March when they have all the spring practice, well, was supposed to have all the spring practice ahead of them. I think that gives the guys a little more of a chance to actually do, you know, win a starting spot and, and show out again for the coaches. But yeah, I get your point. So yeah, the position changes. That was a big thing. Uh, let's see, look at what kind of notes and figure out because uh, you know, Lincoln Riley had some stuff to say. Uh, the, really, the only bit of news from Lincoln Riley that uh, that I kind of gathered was that day, March tenth. Uh, did we touch on Theo Howard much? Our last podcast about a month ago. We talked about Do you remember? it. Oh, maybe we didn't actually. But no, yeah, he. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I know he tore he tore his Achilles, and you know, um, they're saying though that he's that they expect him to be ready for the the uh, the fall. Though I find that one really so, yeah, hard. That to was believe. Uh, that was the the one piece of of news making thing uh, that this makes it the the one bit of newsworthy information I got from Lincoln Riley on March the tenth. He did say that uh, without a doubt, Howard's got a shot to make it back for twenty twenty. I suppose or has a chance to make it back. I suppose Basquin tore his Achilles during spring. I think before the 2018 season, 
and then he came back and he did he he definitely played in 2018 so maybe there is precedent there um and maybe yeah i guess maybe the the medical advancements have have been so good but i i, I thought a torn achilles as of like 3 or 4 years ago was was basically the new torn acl it was just like a really bad prognostication but i don't know maybe that's changed yeah but outside of that though uh from Lincoln Riley there wasn't a whole lot i mean we know that he's going to Actually, you know what? This is obviously terrible. They're not going to get these spring practices in right now. But at the same time, though, the one bit of silver lining for Lincoln Riley, at least, he's not going to have to to answer a bunch of questions about Tanner Mordecai versus Spencer Rattler and pretend that it's actually a competition. <laughs> at least he won't have to do that until the fall, hopefully. So that's uh, one kind of random silver lining there because we're not going to have this whole charade about how uh, Spencer Rattler and, and Tanner Mordecai are neck and neck. Can we talk about Spencer Rattler a little bit? Because uh, yeah. you you and I kind of kind of went back and forth very briefly the other day, just kind of talking about him. Because you had mentioned that that you had watched some of his high school tape, and uh, I I had before some some years before you, uh, but I you saying that it made me want to go back and rewatch some of his high school tape again, and I think OU OU fans are going to be pretty happy with Spencer Rattler. Um, his high school tape is phenomenal. I mean, it is. You can you can see everything dripping off of him, and uh, the 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 thing that I said to you, which was the most, um, the the thing that that kind of gives me the most hope for Spencer Rattler, is that if you go and look at his tape, and you see all of the plays he's making, his offensive line is terrible, like terrible, as in he has to like he he's evading pass rushers like on every single play, and he's still keeping his eyes downfield buying time in the pocket, climbing the pocket, um, and and delivering accurate passes downfield. And of course, the, the competition level is going to be different in college. But as a 16 and 17-year-old in high school, he, like, he had the awareness to know how to step up in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield and keep his body square to the receiver and, make, and uh, keeping his... Uh, you know, keeping all of his fundamentals and all of that stuff uh, in check... This guy might be really good, man, and so I, I'm just I, I'm excited to watch him play. Like I, I, my I'm feeling a whole lot better about the season after watching this guy. He's he, he might be special. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is special. What what stands out to him about what stands out to me about Rattler as well. You look at that high school tape, and then you saw it in his small number of snaps at OU last year. For a young player, and it's only going to get better with another year under Lincoln Riley granted uh, not having spring right now that's that's not good that's not going to help the development not breaking any news there but his mechanics back even back to high school very mechanically sound his footwork looks really good ball comes out really clean Uh, I don't think he's got a laser he doesn't have a cannon he's got an above average arm Uh, I'm not so sure how much his arm can improve because I think his mechanics are already really darn good Uh, granted I'm sure Lincoln Riley will work with him a little bit more. Maybe the ball will pop out of his his hand even better with more and more time. Uh, the concern is obviously experience. Just he's never seen that level of football yet, and that will just come with time and more snaps. And also just attitude. I mean, he's a guy that's always been, from what I understand, pretty cocky, uh, always been the best player, doesn't know what it's like to to really have anybody up there that's that's better than him. And, you know, that's a blessing and a curse. That's probably what makes him really good, but also can give him some potential pratfalls. And, you know, that's that's a lot of young, t- 
talented athletes. Uh, this isn't anything new. But if you're going to find anything that you're concerned about or, or that I'm worried about, it's that stuff. It's just the inexperience and also how's his attitude going to be. And hopefully the one year he just had his redshirt season, you know, hopefully that however much it possibly could have potentially humbled him a little bit and uh, also gave him some fire and a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder to come out and, and look really good and and obviously win the starting job. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's he's a guy that uh, I think we're going to be excited to see. I, I, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, especially after watching uh, the kind of player Jalen Hurts was. Just Rattler's going to be, like we said before, a lot, a lot more like Kyler Murray – Baker Mayfield, those types of Oklahoma quarterbacks in the Lincoln Riley system. I would feel a whole lot worse about the whole situation if, you know, if in high school he just sat behind an amazing offensive line and never had any adversity or pressure and just picked people apart. But that, I mean, that's not what I saw at all. I mean, that's a guy who the guys up front that were blocking for him were getting just whipped consistently. And he had to kind of do a lot of stuff on his own. Um, and the thing that I really love is that he uses his athletic ability not to run, but to buy time to throw. And that is like, I mean, I, I just feel like he, he's got to be way ahead of a vast majority of high school kids just in mentality and his understanding of the game. And I, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. So outside of uh, Spencer Rattler, really uh, not many offensive things to talk about. We'll talk about Trey Sermon here in a little bit, but the main takeaways from the first couple of days of spring practice again only one practice and then there was a pro day on that Wednesday in the morning that I got to go to but you know pro days nothing to do with spring ball it's all about the upcoming draft things like that uh, defensive stuff's the only other thing I, I can take away and that's I you know we can talk about what Alex Grinch said and you know takeaways remember how much we talked about takeaways of course you, no one's gonna forget that uh, he was asked about not meeting that takeaway goal and uh, his one and only spring availability Grinch was and Jason Kersey was asking him questions about that. And not surprisingly, Alex Grinch had a, uh, an entertaining uh, soundbite talking about takeaways. Let's listen to it right now. Well, I mean, to, to say we didn't meet the goal is putting, I mean, that, that's a nice way to say it. I mean, that, that was, uh, just trying uh, to be uh, nice. yeah, well, it is. And it's an alarming, <laughs> I appreciate it, but that, that's an alarming stat and that's gross. Yeah, and yeah. it's, it's on me. Um, and, and, you know, again, you, 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 you lose a lot of credibility, credibility as a coach. If you, you come up here and, and stand in front of you guys, stand in front of a team, stand in front of a unit and say, we're going to get takeaways, make a major emphasis of it. And then, then you don't get them. Um, we take it very serious as a coaching staff. We fail and, and, and I'm in charge of it. You know, it, it speaks to making plays, and, and certainly are there opportunities. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy into that. It's luck. We weren't unlucky last year. No, that's not it. Uh, we didn't take advantage of opportunities. I think some of it, you know, we talked about it, and obviously, uh, you know, last year in terms of, you know, what's our expectation? Why, why are we surprised when the ball's thrown to us? And that, it did rear its head all the way through week 14. And so uh, that, that's something that's got to increase. It's got to be a want to. All right, Grant, listen to Alex Grinch there. What's the thing that stands out to you the most about that soundbite? Man. Not getting a lot of takeaways is gross <laughs> for Alex Grinch. We've I mean, heard that yeah, before. I can, I can see why He's he would. Consistent. I can see why he would analyze it like that. I mean, how many how many picks did they just drop that hit them right in the hands? Yeah, I got to the point where we famously, you know, late in the season, we stopped defending. I mean, we couldn't defend it. It's like, hey, it, when you guys are literally dropping balls, like the other team is giving you chances and you're just not taking them. Like we can't defend you anymore. It's like you make a play. So I no seriously. I mean that was like yeah, there there was a 
in the second half of the season, what they were doing with Speed D and all the havoc and everything, it was definitely producing takeaway opportunities. Just a lot of the times they weren't they weren't coming through. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping that was just a statistical, you know, like, you know, anomaly for the season. But I mean, my eyes don't lie to me. I saw them drop just a ton of picks that hit them right in the hands. So did it start to make, make you think make a play, uh, man, make you think a little differently about your stance on luck? Because you mentioned there, hey, you know, it, you didn't believe in luck and Oklahoma had a bunch of chances to get turnovers and they just it wasn't luck. They just they weren't good enough to make. them. No, no, there's 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 a statistical correlation between turnovers and luck. It's complete luck over over the course of time in, 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 in the course of like fumbles, a single though, game, it, though. Is it kind of more like yeah in, in the course yeah in, in the course of a single game yeah I mean there's going to be more variability but yes over time over a large sample size it's luck. He added after that soundbite that uh, he talked about TFLs. He said, "Hey, you know we were top ten in TFLs last year, but hey, we should have had more." And you know, speaking of balls in the hands of defensive backs and players that should have been interceptions but weren't, he mentioned that yeah didn't have enough PBUs. We got hands on the ball, but weren't able to do anything with it or we would get hands on the receivers it didn't matter uh, and just he summed it all up Grinch said hey we got to establish more playmakers period so uh, we all know that it's good to hear the defensive coordinator say that and he's he's got one year under his belt we'll see what happens in year two when it comes to the defensive line he was asked about a guy like Jordan Kelly and I've this is what I was touching on you know, 10, 15 minutes ago about the defensive lineman. He was asked about, you know, how close is a guy like Jordan Kelly able to step up? Because obviously you got Gallimore gone, you got Overton gone. You know, there's, and you're, Grant, I know you're very worried about the defensive line. And, you know, in the answer to Jordan Kelly, Grinch said that, well, Kelly wasn't close enough. He said the guys who contributed last year were the guys that we felt could contribute. You know, we wanted more guys that could do it. It's just there was nobody out there. And, uh, you know, you know, basically that was, Alex Grinch saying that there just weren't enough guys that were good enough. And he even mentioned uh, unprompted a guy like Laron Stokes. He said Laron Stokes has to be has to be a better playmaker for us. So I mean that they all know it on that this side of the ball uh, and, and as far as those Juco guys that were hoping to come in, Perrion Winfrey and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Uh, Josh, Josh Ellison. Ellison, thank you. Grinch just said, "Yeah, the anticipation is that they can come in and help you right away and they have high expectations for him." So that's the update we have on the defensive line. I don't know if there's anything there that you need to Not comment on. a very on. rosy picture there, man. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, who knows? We don't, we don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I've kind of talked myself into a little bit more not being as doom and gloom on the defensive line as I was on the podcast a few weeks ago, just because we don't know yet. I mean, a lot of things can still happen, but my eyes are, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye out for it because... Um, an, a, another one of the things that, that came out of spring was that Jalen Redmond was going to miss the spring, um, which means they're, they're pretty green on the defensive line. That would mean for spring ball, and there's just not a lot of experience there. So yeah, Hopefully that's um, nothing to do with the blood clots. I know he was kind of banged up at the end of the season. I'm Well, yeah, he dislocated his shoulder in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, and they were like popping it back into place, I, I, and yeah. And I think I've read something along the lines of that he was kind of dealing with a shoulder the entire year. So I, I'm guessing it has to do with that. But but still, I mean, you, you would still like him to be out there to gain the experience. Sure. But also, I could probably argue that, hey, that, that's just going to be more reps for Jordan Kelly, theoretically, as well. Um, man, they, they need somebody to step up there. They really need someone to step up. Um, well, the, who yeah. knows? I, and 
you never know. Maybe it's maybe it's something that they're able to just kind of glide by and, and be okay until until you know the other guys can come back and in, in, in the first half of the season. But um, may, maybe not something to, to to freak out too much about yet until you know until we get to the summer until they start practicing for the fall. And we talked about the secondary a little bit ago, just about how dropping interceptions and not, and not making enough plays. The last thing I have about the defense and really the spring practice thoughts is uh, on the quarterbacks. And obviously, Parnell Motley is gone. By the way, uh, Motley, not the greatest pro day. Uh, just didn't, didn't look very athletic out there relative to a guy that's trying to make the NFL. I know we got some good feedback. We talked to him afterwards from scouts. He said he got some good feedback there. But don't have the numbers right in front of me, but his high jump, or I guess his vertical jump, wasn't very good. His 40 was 4 5 ish, which, you know, that's fast, but for corners, you want those guys in the 4 4 range. Uh, and the, let's see, vertical, um, what are the other jumps? Uh, really, all the athletic, it just, he, he looks stiff, and it, it wasn't the best pro day for Parnell Motley, but uh, he, boy, I mean, he had a great season, and it kind of just shows you that his technique. You know, maybe he's a guy that just he needs to be put out there on an island because, I mean, he improved so much from the first, well, I guess 16, 17, 18 to last year when he was uh, maybe the best cornerback in the Big 12. I mean, he was great. Uh, anyways, I just want to throw that out there. I mean, Motley, we both love Motley, but his pro day wasn't great. Uh, anyways, he's gone. And Grinch said this, quote, P-Mot's gone and Jaden has got to step up. Trey Norwood will take reps out there and then there's the young guys coming in so he did mention Jaden Davis and remember all the times we were thinking like what happened to Jaden Davis at the end of the year what happened to him in the Peach Bowl what happened to him in the Big 12 title game and I didn't get a chance to directly ask about Jaden Davis because Alex Grinch's availability just kept going and going and going and you know I thought hey you know we're gonna have plenty of time to talk to Alex Grinch and there were so many people around and it was like 20 minutes in. I was like, okay, let's get, let's wrap this up, guys. And little did I know that this would be like maybe the last time we talked to Alex Grinch. So not a, didn't get a chance to really ask about Jaden Davis directly, but at least when asked about the cornerbacks, Jaden Davis was the first guy brought up as far as Motley's gone. Jaden Davis has got to step up. So, I mean, who knows what happened to him at the end of the year, but he's a player, it would seem, that is going to be looked at, hey, you got to figure this out and be the, the starter opposite of a guy like Trey Brown. What is your reaction to that? Yeah, and I think no, I mean, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's it's glad to see that they're not going to have to put him on the back of a of a milk carton. Jaden Davis and also that Trey is. Norwood. I mean, I guess um, I mean, Trey Norwood's going to be full go. By the way, I guess we didn't talk. That. Yeah, I was going to say, did you mention that he's that he is going to be full go for spring? Because I think that's significant. Yeah, I asked Lincoln Riley also, about I mean, that on uh, the Monday before, and and so that was good to to get that. He's doing well. He's a full go. So positive news there. Good, good. So I I don't, I don't if you have I. I think they have enough uh, enough experience coming back at corner to the point where I'm just I I, I think they're going to be better at corner next year than they were this past season. Um, you're going to have a a senior Trey Brown. You're going to have a Jaden Davis who's in his second year in the program, and you're going to have Trey Norwood who's in his fourth year in the program. And uh, experience is a huge deal in the secondary. I I think they're going to be fine. There. Or you're going to have Trey Norwood moving back over to nickel where he was before he got injured, and you're going to have a Brendan Radley Hiles finally playing cornerback as like the third. With Davis and Trey Brown, huh? Uh, maybe I've finally. I've resigned to the fact that 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 will never happen. 
<sighs> Probably not. Which is, I mean, who? I mean, I'm just, I just uh, there's there's no evidence out there to suggest that it ever will happen. I know. So it's all hearsay, and I'll just hope at this point. Let's see. I think that's that's all I got when it comes to spring practice, and you know, it's all we got about it. I mean, we only had two days of it really. Um, because yeah, I mean, it was because yeah, that Monday was the press conference. Their first practice was Tuesday. Yep. Pro day was Wednesday, and then that night was when uh was when the world changed, or at least the country changed. Yep. And that next Thursday, like I think I said earlier in the show, was supposed to be the first time when we got out to watch the first 20 minutes of practice, but that got canceled, as did practice that day, and here we are, still waiting. So we'll I, see. Um, geez, man, so what it, it was... So what day was that? It was uh, it was March 10th. Was that the day everything happened? March 11th. March 11th? Okay, so that means... And I just want to tell you, like, so that, was, that was a really crazy evening in the United States of America. Um, I saw on Twitter that something weird was happening in the Thunder game, so I instantly turned it on the TV. Um, and then, of course, I sat there for about an hour trying to figure out what was going on while they were talking about it. And then in like a 20-minute span... The NBA announced that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell had, you know, had tested positive. That was just Gobert, and that essentially, it was just Gobert yeah, at that time. Got, it was like the next day, but yeah, go on. It was okay. Sorry, but yeah, and then so in that same time span, the NBA essentially shut down the season. Donald Trump gave his speech, in which uh, um, one of the one of the things that happened after it is the the, fu- the future and the, and the the futures in the stock market started to tank, and then about ninety seconds after that. It was confirmed that Tom Hanks and his wife had also gotten coronavirus. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. When all of that happened in a 20-minute span, I went out to the grocery store and started buying stuff. Because I just, I kind of, I felt a shift. I felt something was about to happen. Hmm. And there you go. Okay, Nostradamus. Weird, it's a weird night. Weird night. Uh, So yeah, that was, uh, by the time you get this, like, actually, we're going to release this tonight. So yeah, I mean. Wednesday the 25th, March 25th, is two weeks uh, after basically the, the entire world started changing. That's, that's it. It's two weeks. So weird. Uh, all Very right. Weird. So we talked about Spencer Rattler for a bit. Let's switch over to a potential future Sooner, Caleb Williams. And what was the news this week? He came out with his top five, and OU was one of the top five. Was that the new... Uh, he came out with his top five, yeah. And I, I mean, if it's if you follow any of the recruiting and just you know the the intel that you can gather by going with the pay sites and whatnot, there's 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 reasons to feel pretty good about the Sooners and Caleb Williams. It, it is essentially the uh, the worst kept secret on the internet right now. And so this is the same. This is class of 2021, correct? So this is the same class as that Vandegrift kid that decommitted back in what January? Is that correct? Same class. And Caleb Williams is has now overtaken Vandegriff uh, in the uh, in the composite for being a higher ranked quarterback in the class. Okay. So I, I, I does w- did that have anything to do with um, with Riley's decision or I know I know Vandegrift decommitted or whatever and and I'm sure maybe we'll hear the the full story of this recruitment once and it he, ends and whatnot. Didn't Vandegriff commit to Georgia like pretty much right after that because he wanted to stay close pretty to pretty much home? right after yeah. it and so yeah yeah and that was his that was his reasoning. So, yeah, you know, I based off of just how I've followed recruiting over the last couple of years, I just the writing seems to be on the wall here, and I think OU is probably going to get some pretty good news on Caleb Williams at some point in time. Things could change, obviously, 
But it, it does look like if he had to decide now, it, it would probably be OU, which is a big deal. This is the number one quarterback in the country. And uh, I think the thing that you're always looking for in a situation like that is what other dominoes could fall. Because we saw it with, uh, with Spencer Rattler, a five-star quarterback, a couple classes ago, um, that a lot of dominoes started to fall. Weiss, Bridges, Hazelwood committed. Um, people want to play. I mean, kids want to play with the best players. They want to win championships. So um, potentially a really massive deal here. And I know, Lee, you've, you've watched some tape on him. Do you have any other like kind of thoughts about him in that yeah, regard? Yeah, so... The other night for the Oklahoma Ford Sports Blitz, Dean wanted to talk about Caleb Williams on the show, and so he asked me to go and and grab some video of him. And you know, so I went and found some video. I hadn't seen him at all yet. I honestly had never heard of the guy, so I, I didn't know anything about him. And I went and watched the video that just came up first. Uh, I think it was from Max Preps. And I I mean, my I texted you this the other day. I mean, my first takeaway is that about 85% of what I saw on that three to four minute video was this guy running zone read keepers and then showing some speed and athleticism, uh, but not really showing me much about how, how he plays the quarterback position the way it needs to be played at the University of Oklahoma. I want to see him make some throws. Uh, he, he made some throws on the tape. None of them were really particularly that impressive. Uh, they just look like run-of-the-mill throws. I mean, it looks like he's got a pretty good arm. Like Doesn't have like a water pistol or anything like that. He's got a strong arm. Uh, but I didn't see much of actual quarterbacking on that three- to four-minute tape. I understand that that's not even close to all the different ways players get evaluated and recruited. I'm sure he's been to plenty of camps, and coaches have seen him go on seven-and-seven drills, and I've seen him throw the ball around plenty of times. I get that. So, But just based on what I saw from that tape, I – Okay, I I didn't think much of it, to be honest with you. Uh, I know this might not be fair to a guy like Caleb Williams because he's younger and he's he's further behind, but a guy like Spencer Rattler's tape was, uh, I mean, much, much, much better. I mean, it displayed so many different uh, attributes of a quarterback that you need. I mean, it shows his arm, his arm strength, his accuracy, his ability to move around in the pocket, to feel pressure within the pocket. I mean, it, you saw that on Rattler's tape, not to mention – we saw Rattler in those, I think, U.S. Army game against the highest competition. He looked really good in those in that game as well. So we got to see that, and maybe you know, maybe we'll see Caleb Williams there at some point as well. So that's my my main takeaways from you know the three to four minute video I saw from him on Max Preps. What did you think of the tape? Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've been I've been following recruiting for for a long time, and I when I watched his tape, it reminded me of a right-handed Tim Tebow um, from from high school. That is. As in, he reminded me what Tim Tebow looked like in high school. And if Caleb Williams is a right-handed Tim Tebow, then OU is going to be in really good shape. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. So I, I don't, I, I agree with you. I didn't see a ton of really great throws on, on his high school tape, but that could be for a lot of different reasons. I mean, hell, hell his, his offensive coaching staff in high school just may not know how to establish a, a competent passing game. Um, I'm glad you brought up the point about him being at camps and whatnot. You don't become the number one quarterback in the country um, for by every single recruiting service if a lot of people haven't seen you in person throw. And I, I, I almost guarantee you a large, a vast majority of this guy's reputation has probably come from those camps, which you know typically are, are done with a lot of other really highly ranked prospects. So you can be compared. And um, he's gone to these camps and presumably a lot of these you know, a lot of these people who are paid to have the, to have an opinion on the matter think he's the best quarterback in the country. 
Um, and also, at the same time, Lincoln Riley would never extend a, a scholarship for this guy unless he saw him throw in person, worked him out privately, and said, yeah, this is a guy that we can we can move forward with. So I, when I do watch his tape, his, his physical profile and, and his athleticism is very clear to me. And um, I, I think that's mostly what you're looking like. On the last podcast, I, I may have you know drawn a lot of heat, or not a lot of heat, but some heat, or it may, may have said something dumb by saying, um, Reggie Grimes, the defensive end that, that OU signed, he didn't look physically dominant against the guys he was going with, and, and I don't think he did. Caleb Williams does look physically dominant against the guys he's going against. And, and that's, that's a lot of the times what I'm looking for in high school tape. You know, speaking of our last podcast, we were talking about some of those recruits that Oklahoma had gotten late, you know, on the tr- traditional national signing day. We, I talked about what kind of high schools they played at, what kind of competition did they face in high school. And so I wanted to look at that for Caleb Williams and his high school, Gonzaga, in Washington, D.C., they play in the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference, which, according to Wikipedia, is regarded as one of the best conferences in high school sports in the entire nation. So take that for what it's worth. His team won the conference title back in 2018. I, I, I don't know. I guess he, that must mean he plays against really good competition. But it was I was looking at the playoffs for that setup. Like, they don't play. It looks like they didn't play against, like, the other – public schools within maryland it was like they had their own separate like 4a 3a 2a and then this this catholic league or catholic conference had like its own separate like state tournament and you know maybe i'm incorrect about that but from the little bit of research i did that's kind of what it looked like to me so i don't know what that means but uh according to wikipedia it sounds like he plays for a really really well regarded high school so i guess that's a good thing that kind of sounds like what uh the same type of sort of setup that like IMG Academy in Florida has, where they definitely it's it's like a private to private academy, but they don't play against the other like public schools in the state. Hmm. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if like the school he goes to, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got a little more leeway to for like practice time and stuff. He can probably spend more time on things, perhaps. But I don't know. That's just me throwing stuff against the wall. I, I I'd assume that's a private school. Yes, but. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of states do it differently. So interesting, though. All right, that's all I have on Caleb Williams. Do you have anything else? No, I mean I hope he I hope he commits to OU, and I hope a lot of other really good players decide to commit in his wake. I mean, I it's we said it numerous times you got you, you got to get the big boys if you want to if you want to compete for national championships. But Caleb Williams is is, is the big boy in this cycle, okay. and a lot of dominoes could fall if if they uh, if they're able to get him. So. This is this is an important one for sure. All right, let's switch things over to, I guess, kind of back to OU, but uh, this guy's not going to factor into the team anymore. But Trey Sermon in the last three four days completed his transfer. Kind of caught me by surprise. So yeah, he entered the portal, uh, you know, week and a half or so ago, and I think when he initially entered the portal, uh, there was rumors that Ohio State was the landing spot and I guess those rumors ended up being true so Trey Sermon to Ohio State that's completed so Oklahoma loses out on Trey Sermon and I, I know that he obviously he tore I he I, I, let's see he injured his knee last November against Iowa State uh, by the time he starts camp with Ohio State I'm looking at this uh, article on Letterman Row which is an Ohio State football website he's quoted in here 
saying that uh, he's made a lot of progress, met with the doctors last week, and the doctor said that he'll be cleared in a month instead of in late May. So it sounds like he'll be cleared and ready to go. So in theory, Trey Sermon should be a full go for fall camp for uh, Ohio State. And Grant, he's obviously going to be the most experienced back on the Buckeyes roster now that J.K. Dobbins is going to go to the NFL. And he's essentially the only experienced back on their roster now. Their uh, Master Teague, who is Dobbins' backup, he tore his Achilles, I'm yep. pretty sure. So he's he's done. And another player who had a little bit of carries last year named Marcus Crowley was also expected to miss the spring with a knee injury. So even though Trey Sermon will be new to the program, he's in a great spot to come in and get a lot of work right away. So it, it's not surprising really why he'd go there. Really good decision by Trey Sermon. If his if if his um if his calculus is that he wants to go and he wants to be the feature back on a on a team that has that has some national championship aspirations, I mean I don't I don't know if he could go to a better situation um, than he is right now. He's going to have you know his quarterback is going to be a guy who is going to uh, you know is going to command a lot of attention from opposing secondaries. Uh, perhaps that'll lighten the box a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I, I can if Trey Sermon is Ohio State's feature back in the same kind of vein that J.K. Dobbins was, I could see Trey Sermon having a a really huge season, being like an All Big Ten caliber running back this year for sure. Yeah, same. And if he's healthy, if he's healthy, and it's smart. He's going as a grad transfer, so that means he'll be immediately eligible. And I know a lot of the time, uh, let's think back to the fall before he was injured. Grant, I mean, he is his role on Oklahoma's offense was severely limited I mean it dwindled to the point where I think his last I think the last month he was active I think he only had like maybe 10 touches total and I think I could span like I think four games and so it's just he I'm sure thought that hey yeah I'm I'm not the featured guy here Kennedy Brooks Ramondre Stevenson you got a guy like Marcus Major and I'm the the Seth yeah McGowan. McGowan. yeah yeah the freshman's escaping me so yeah I mean and plus you throw in TJ Pledger as well a lot of mouths to feed coming off an injury you know yeah Sermon probably thought hey I you know I have a a much clearer path to getting a lot more touches in Columbus and I think he's right and it's one of those those players you know we want to wish all these guys well but Trey Sermon's a really good dude really good player nice guy and coming off an injury. And even if he wasn't coming off, coming off an injury, you'd wish him the best. And I hope he has a lot of success in Columbus. I really do. Good dude. I do too. Yeah, I mean, this is a kind of a weird situation. I don't, I don't know if someone kind of like a high-profile player like this has really ever transferred out to another school. Um, after ha- I mean, he's ran for over 2,000 yards at OU. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him. And I think, I think Trey Sermon really... Uh, um, in 2017, as, as a true freshman in Columbus, I, I think he, he just really, um, the first impression that we got of him for a lot of people was just really positive. And I think everyone just really likes Trey Sermon. And I, I'm going to, I'm really appreciative of, uh, he, he had, he had, he made some big plays in that 2017 season, which is, I, that, that's, you know, I, I love that OUT, that, that OU team. And I, I'm, going to be watching a lot of the plays that he made that season for the rest of my life. And I, th- I think that's cool. So I-, I love Trey Sermon. Hope he has a really good season at Ohio State. Pretty neat. His first ever touchdown was that Ohio State game in 2017. And now he's going to play for him. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. And, and this just he he had a lot of really good plays that season. Um, I mean, remember, I mean, remember the the dagger and and Stillwater too, the long touchdown run at the end, which it wasn't even necessary, but it was awesome. Uh, just stuff like that. I I I love Trey Sermon. I think of uh, the Rose Bowl when he trucked over whatever Georgia defensive back only that carry. was. That was his only carry in the game. Pretty sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know Rodney Anderson was a workhorse that game, but uh, man, I remember him. Man, hopefully Rodney Anderson can come I, back from man. another ACL tear. Jeez, Louise. It'd be pretty cool if he could carve out a uh, an NFL uh, future a little bit. Man, gosh, man, he looked he looked so explosive in that first game against FAU <laughs> that season. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, where this is ah, it's too bad. It's too bad we we weren't able to see him fully healthy in that offense. That's way too bad. And real quick, more with Trey Sermon. I mean, this is a guy, yeah, he's got a, a lot of uh, experience, but he's got a ton of tread left on the tires because of how Oklahoma's running backs room has worked out the last three seasons. Very little uh, – I mean, look at his stats compared to, like, J.K. Dobbins' stats. And, I mean, J.K. Dobbins got, like <laughs> – man, it's something It's something crazy. I, let's – I looked it up the other day. Trey Sermon, in his career, has 339 rushing attempts. 339. Now, bear with me as I quickly search for J.K. Dobbins' career rushing stats. So, 339 for Sermon. I guess that Dobbins probably had close to 250 just last year, I would guess. He had over 300 carries last year. Dobbins. They gave, they gave him the Oof. ball 301 times. Dobbins had... In three seasons, I mean, they both have played the same amount of college football. Dobbins has 725 carries. Again, Trey Sermon only 339. So Trey Sermon can get, he could get over 200 carries next season <laughs> with Ohio State. That's maybe even 250 to 300. If I mean, that's absurd with Dobbins. Like, I, I know. That's a small dude, too, man. They gave him the ball Wait, a ton. Yeah, wow. All right, well, that's uh, that's all I have on Sermon, and that's all I have scheduled for the current events portion of this podcast before we get into that prediction stuff. I suppose I'll open up the floor to you in case there's any other news and notes around sports, which is kind of bizarre considering nothing's really happened except for NFL free agency that uh, you'd like to touch on right now because if not, we'll just we'll kind of close this off and then start kind of a new podcast just so we break this up into multiple episodes this week. What do you think? I want to do a bit of a uh, an on-air production meeting here. I may have I may have mentioned this to you before, but and I also I, I want to like the people listening to g- give us your feedback on this because this is something that I think is fun and I just I just want to throw the idea out there. I, I can't remember if I've I've mentioned it to you before. What are what are your thoughts on doing like some sort of retrospective on different seasons of OU football, whether or not it's like a like a ranking of our favorite OU teams, like, I don't know, like our five favorite OU teams since the Stoops era, of course. Um, or, and, and like also like our, our three least favorite OU teams or something like that. Cause that, that's stuff that I really like. And, and I'm, I essentially am going to look for any sort of excuse to retrospectively talk about that 2008 team, which I adore. I love that team so much. Uh, just so many great memories and just and, and other 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 teams and, and games as well, which I think would be fun, especially now that we don't have spring football to talk about and that we're all kind of 
quarantined in our houses and might as well talk about stuff that is fun and happy. Yeah, I like that idea. We can put it out on the West of Evers Facebook page and Twitter and things like that and get the listeners comments and opinions on that as well. Cause so yeah, and I just just want to throw it out because that's something. I mean, a for instance, like if, if I were to put together a list of you know of my favorite OU teams, that's something that you know I would be very opinionated about, and I could talk about for hours and hours and hours. So I don't know it's it's perhaps some content that we can uh, explore. Yeah, I like that. That can work. We'll put it out there, and uh, especially yeah, that you mentioned. There's no spring ball to talk about, and honestly. It's just bad timing because I had gone out and I had purchased some some gear that would make it a little bit more doable for me to go out and conduct one-on-one type interviews in the field with people that around Oklahoma's beat or those that maybe you all would find someone interesting so I can get other perspectives. And you know, I was hoping to talk to Dusty Dvorak to kind of get his thoughts because he always has some inside info about what's going on at spring practice. And the reason why we haven't done a whole lot of that really at all it's just because our technology here is not great for high-quality one-on-one interviews, aside from Grant and I just doing this together. And so I had this. I had like a digital recorder. I had a couple mics and was ready to do it. And then all of a sudden now we're not allowed to be within six feet of each other. So just kind of unfortunate timing there. So maybe we'll have to figure out more along the lines of how we can create these interviews Skype style and things like that. And I've just been so concerned about that because quality, audio quality, and that's important. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll look more into that. And also, if we can figure that out, maybe we could all be on the call, too. So it's not just me and some other person that you could get in there, too, Grant, which would be interesting as well. Uh, so <laughs> interesting, of course, is the is the adjective you used to describe that. I just realized the West of Everest Facebook page, I put a prompt up there, you know, asking for your best and worst predictions, takes things like that, which we'll get to. But some other other topics came up as well and so i suppose this will be a good time for us to kind of hit on a couple of them uh tim oh yeah bring those tim, up Let's uh, do tim it. on the west of ever's facebook page i asked hey you know let us know if there's anything else that is on your mind that you want to talk about and tim just says simply ou basketball <laughs> so okay ou basketball uh, obviously are not gonna play in the ncaa tournament this year because nobody was by the way that's that sucks man i, I mean i've always kind of thought in the last uh, five seven years i've kind of thought you know when you know, maybe one of these years i won't fill out an ncaa tournament bracket just to see what it's like to watch the tournament without a bracket and i never did it well there's no tournament this year so i guess it doesn't count but you know for the first time ever nobody's filling out a bracket that that is bizarre not having an ncaa tournament i mean last weekend was supposed to be one of the best sports weekends in, in all of the calendar year and we didn't get to experience it which it's not cool, but uh, you know OU basketball would have been playing. That's man, this is tough. I mean, Lon Kruger's bunch in the last three seasons, three four seasons, they've perfected a way to kind of hang around enough to make the tournament as like a fringe type, you know, eight nine ten seed. Maybe they'll win you a game, maybe they won't, but they're not going to get you to the Sweet Sixteen. And that's kind of what this program seemingly has turned into. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It depends on how into OU basketball you are. Admittedly, I'm not as into OU basketball as I am OU football. I like football more than I like basketball. Just that, just that's a personal preference. So, it, you know, don't count me as one of those people that's like, man, 
Oklahoma's underachieving, therefore maybe Lon Kruger's days here need to be numbered. I haven't given that enough thought yet, and honestly, I'm I'm kind of to the point where I'm I'm more indifferent than oh my gosh, let's make a move. I'm not sure if that's what Tim was getting at when talking about the team, but that's kind of what comes to my mind when I think about OU basketball. Grant, what do you think about when OU basketball comes up? Oh, geez. How much time do you got? I do like OU basketball, and I find it interesting. Um, no, I I, I think I, I have opinions about Lon Kruger. Like, I, I obviously cannot argue against the results. Um, taking a team to a Final Four, um, he's kind of... he. Th- there's been sustained success this decade. I, I'm pretty sure... If um, and they would have made the tournament this season, so it, I I think that would have been eight out of ten seasons at OU they've made the tournament. That's 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 good. Um, I I I would like that they have that, that they're a little more competitive at the higher levels, kind of akin to how they were with Buddy Hield and Isaiah Cousins and Ryan Spangler for those three seasons where uh, where they were, you know, were, were one of the fifteen or twenty best teams in the country all three of those seasons. Um, I don't know I, I and. People who are who are more knowledgeable about basketball than me can chime in and, and, and tell me I'm an idiot, but I don't think Lon Kruger is a very good X's and O's coach. His teams are never good at scoring the basketball without individual performance. And I, I that just bugs me. It bugs me. It works great when you have Buddy Heald and Isaiah Cousins and, and Jordan Woodard on your team. I, I don't think it works as great when you know, when Christian Doolittle is your main guy and his and his bread and butter is, is pulling up taking terrible fourteen foot jumpers. Um I don't know. I I, I just I, I don't think they're offensively they're not they're not very good. And and I'm not really sure why. And I, I think I don't think they should move on from Lon Kruger because he's clearly a, a very good coach. Um but I think they should probably start having conversations about what life looks like after Lon Kruger. And what type of person do they want to get in there, you know, after him? And do they think they can do better than him? Which I think they can. Kelvin Sampson is a, is a, is a better coach than Lon Kruger. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 I thought this season of college basketball was weird. I thought this was very clearly a down season in college basketball where there just really weren't that many great teams. Um I thought this was an OU team that in any other just like kind of average college basketball season would most certainly not be a tournament team. Um, but they, they were kind of just a beneficiary of all of college basketball being dragged down a bit. Like, for instance, I, I thought if, you know, in the last month of the season, I thought it was, a, it was a pretty easy call to say that Kansas was the best team in the country. And I don't even know, like, I, I feel like this was, if, if you compare it to this past decade, 2010 to, 20, to 2019, I feel like this Kansas team would be Bill Self's like seventh or eighth best Kansas team of this of the last decade, and I thought they were clearly the best team in the country at the end of the year this past season. So I think that tells you all you need to know about college basketball this year. It wasn't a great year. It I, obvi- like I'm heartbroken that March Madness isn't a thing this year. That sucks. Um, the the Saturday, uh, uh, the the day that was supposed to be the the you know the first games of the second round. That was the day that I really felt it it not being there and I was sad that it wasn't there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it sucks just like everyone else. I had a, I had a, I had a, a trip with my buddies plan. We we're going to drive down to Iowa because sports gambling is, is legal there. We had a hotel and everything. We we're going to stay at a casino. Um, and, and you know, we had to cancel that and we were really bummed about it. And so, I mean, we're all taking the hit. It sucks. It's uh, March madness is a thing that, that 
whether we know it or not, is a cultural thing that that brings us all together. That's something that we all share in common. And when it's not there, it, it's it's just really unfortunate, and you, you definitely feel the loss of it. Here's my last thing on college basketball and OU basketball, and I guess what I struggle with and why I don't get as worked up about it maybe as some more diehard OU basketball fans. It's, you know, what do we talk about with Oklahoma? What does the Sooners need to do football-wise to finally get to the point where they're competing for titles? It's, it's recruiting. We've been talking about it for years and even more so now. I don't really understand how basketball recruiting works because of all of the potential like shadiness and stuff i mean i don't think lon kruger does any of like the bs shady stuff where he's like basically paying for players so i I don't understand like i don't know if you can even recruit good players to a place like oklahoma that can get you to a point where you're making consistent runs at the sweet 16 and the elite eight because it doesn't seem like they ever i mean i guess trey young is kind of the outlier but he's a hometown guy and that was yeah you got to do it with you got to do it with guys that you find and you develop. That's why, um, you know, that that recruiting class with, uh, you know, with Buddy Heald and Isaiah Cousins, that was a big deal. Heald was like was a fringe top 100 recruit. He was a four star guy, but he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't as, as big of a recruit as, say, like Davion Harmon was this year for OU. Uh, Heald wasn't wasn't as highly sought after as, as that guy was. And there's also someone like Isaiah Cousins, who I know was like a two star recruit. And was kind of, and they just kind of found him in Brooklyn. Um, and then you got a guy like Jordan Woodard, who was added to the team the next season. He was an Oklahoma guy. And then Ryan Spangler, who was, who was, who I think was also a four-star type recruit, but he originally went to Gonzaga, but was an Oklahoma kid, and he transferred back. And I think that Final Four team, a lot of stuff just kind of, it, it just, it sort of happened that way. And, and I don't know if you can count on that happening. Like right, that. Yeah, you got to get better and, players. You, know, you got to recruit better, and I don't know if Oklahoma can. I guess is my point. I don't know if it's possible. And I, and honestly, like I, I'm looking back now, and I the I, I think it's pretty easy to say the the job that Lon Kruger did with that Trey Young team, he did a he did a pretty poor job because we're seeing now Trey Young is a transcendent talent. I, he's he's incredibly good, um, and the fact that they that they weren't a better team with, with him running the point is. I, I, I think that's it's a little worrisome for sure. See, I have a different take on that, and it's you look back at at Trey. I mean, Trey. I mean, obviously, it's it's more than just Trey, but like the Hawks, like they're not a good team. I mean, they stink. I mean, he's he's putting up a bunch of points, but like they're not winning. And there is times when even at Norman North, where I remember there was a time when Trey Young he missed a game, a pretty important game late in the playoffs, and the team won, and he wasn't even playing for him. So I, I think Trey still needs a, has a, a ways to go to kind of. He's a great player, but it's it's almost like the winning hasn't quite been there at the higher level. Granted, he's got Norman North, one year of OU, and now what he's got two years in the NBA. I guess not even two full because this NBA. I'm not really sure how. Yeah, like I, I I completely understand what you're saying. Although I'm I'm not sure how much how relevant it is. Whenever I watched him at OU, he was by far the best player on the court in every game I watched, and it wasn't even remotely close. Okay, like, but so I mean, that's how many why different I just, teams, I, though, can... I, don't, I mean, he... And, and like, and, I mean, and the, the other... I mean, they were a top-10 like, team for the first... Like, uh, until, like, what, February of that season? Remember that? Like, yeah, until they, got into the, until they got into Big 12 play, and then they... Yeah. 
and then that's 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 where kind of a lot of my theories about Lon Kruger kind of come in because the Big Twelve has amazing coaches, and outside of Buddy Heald and you know Spangler and Water, you know those teams, Lon Kruger hasn't been very good in the Big Twelve. All right, so I don't know. I I I I, I would prefer that OU basketball is at the level that it was in the early two thousands with Kelvin Sampson. Well, I think we I, all kind of feel yeah. like that was a that was great. Um. I, I think that's the ceiling for OU basketball, and I, I, I love OU basketball. I, I, I want them to, to win a title in my lifetime, and I think it's possible. So I, I would like to see them do whatever they can to get there. Okay, the last thing on, on Facebook that one of our listeners mentioned in the comments, uh, kind of a joke. Chase says that he wants uh, some input on Tiger King from Netflix, which is the story of uh, Joe Exotic, and I haven't watched it. I, I'm surely you've heard of this, Grant, because even like nationally, people are talking about this. I take, I mean, this guy's from Oklahoma. Yeah, I've heard about it. Uh, it's, oh, he is. Okay. Yeah, he's from. Yeah, he's from Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, everyone around the news station at News Nine, they're talking about. I mean, I got guys that I, people that I work with that are, I guess, in the documentary. I haven't watched it, but uh, people that I work with it. I'll news watch Nine. it. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not going to watch this. I don't have any interest in it. Uh, but. Perhaps at some point you can watch it and you can give Chase some input on it. I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm, I'll watch it. We're currently watching. Um, we're rewatching Breaking Bad and then we're going to start watching Better Call Saul. That's Have you not watched right Better now. Call Saul? Uh, I stopped watching after the first season. Um, just uh, you know, we had some you know we had some weird personal stuff in our lives in the mid two in the mid 2010s. Um, that's that's when oh, okay. I stopped watching it, and I always just figured I will start watching it when it is done, and I can just watch all of it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. To text I, I know you. the the new the new season just recently came out, and I have seen lots of people I trust, I trust their opinions, say that it has turned into one of the best shows of all time, and so I think it's about time for me to start watching it. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to text you about that because I did, I was wondering if you're still watching the show. I mean, because I yeah I've I've watched that show all throughout. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's a great show, and it's I not an expert on television, but in my lifetime, I would be hard pressed to find a show like Breaking Bad and then have another show that's in the same universe, either a prequel or a spinoff that is pretty much like quality wise. It's like basically just as good. I, I like they're different shows, but they're incredibly compelling. And man, it's it's incredible what better call Saul can do with like if you just describe the storylines or the plot points for like as some random episode you think why would anybody watch that that sounds really boring <laughs> and it's turned into really gripping not interesting television so well done All right, well I'm really excited because I know because I know the first season was I thought was was kind of similar to Breaking Bad not not in style um, but in the sense that it was a slow burn that they were very, they're very clearly trying to establish a lot of things, and um, that's one of those things that sometimes can be hard to get through, but it's rewarding if you if you stick with it. And so now that you're telling me that where we are with Better Call Saul now is of the quality of Breaking Bad, which the last three seasons of Breaking Bad is is the best TV of all time. Um, that I mean, that really excites me. I, I I'm I'm excited to see what uh, you know what's in store. I mean, because that's. That's, that's awesome. Because uh, I'm, uh, I'm, we're we're at the end of season two of Breaking Bad right now. Before it even starts to get really good, 
And here on my rewatch of Breaking Bad, I'm 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 thinking to myself, this is brilliant. I mean, this is so much better than everything that's currently on TV right now. So I'm I'm excited for Better Call Saul. Yeah, I can't remember what season the Better Call Saul this is. If it's the the one that aired before this current one or two seasons ago, but there's a moment that the series is you don't really know what's going on until it gets there as far as the lead up but basically the entire series is kind of leading up to this one moment but that slow burn you're talking about a second ago it's why it's it's so great because it's just you put the time in and it kind of gets to the point and you're like oh my gosh wow like that like that would not have been as effective or or uh, I guess entertaining if it wasn't for all the time that was put in to establish this certain storyline and so I love it. If anyone is interested in a uh, in a separate TV podcast, I could go on for hours about this as well. I we, I, I do want to end this just because this is not really our lane. But I will say to everyone listening to this right now, if you are looking for quarantine things to watch, the one thing that I tell everyone they absolutely need to watch because it's easily accessible and for my money, it is the best comedy that has ever been made. Uh, you need to watch Parks and Recreation. It is so good. To, I, I can't even describe it. It is it's it is angelic and it is just it's it's comfort food and it's it's I it's it's maybe the best TV show I've ever seen. So you have to watch Parks and Recreation. But you also have to give that recommendation with a note of the first season is not that great. You've got to make it through the first season. But the first season is only six episodes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you you know that I I mean I agree. I, I think Parks and Rec is the but yeah you're is, right. the, is the best uh, television comedy. Uh, I, I think ever and I and I, I really like Seinfeld. I, I do too. I know you don't watch Seinfeld. By the way, if, if you you should try to watch Seinfeld. Like Seinfeld's really good. It's really funny. Seinfeld's funny. I just I don't. It doesn't have. Um, but I like I like Parks I, I and can, Rec. More. I can pick up. Yeah, I, I can pick up Seinfeld and just watch it just randomly, and I, I like it. It's good. It's funny. Uh, Parks and Recreation is different because you fall in love with the characters, and I, I think the. Um, the, the, the characters in Parks and Recreation are the most lovable characters that have ever been on TV. I, I just, they're, they're so amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. I, and that's, that's why it's so I, good. I stand that show it's so beautifully very, written. very, very It's hard. hilarious. And that's, I mean, this is a whole other, we could do a whole separate podcast on this, but uh, it's, it's just a shame that in our culture, in America, uh, people like Parks and Rec. I mean, there's very few people that I've met that say they don't like that show. So don't get me wrong. I mean, people that, you know, that have seen it, they like it. Yeah, Parks has turned into a has turned into a Netflix slash Hulu, uh, like dominant. Like it, 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 a lot of people watch it now. It's it's done very well in syndication. However, it's it's not at the same level in our culture as something like The Office. And The Office is kind of like the comedy. I think maybe you know since Friends. I think Friends. You know, is like this. Huge- Friends and The Office are are kind of the two. Seminal and it's ones. just to me it's very sad because it's just I, I I've tried to watch The Office. I know I think you like a little I think you like it a little bit. I, I don't like it. I, I don't think it's particularly funny. I don't like the characters. I don't get it. I've never seen it beginning to end. It's uh but I've I've definitely laughed when I've watched it, just picked it up and watched it. Because I mean the there's a lot of funny people in it, but you're right. The the, the big difference is that the characters in the office are kind of mean spirited. And a lot of the comedy is kind of mean spirited. Everything in Parks and Recreation is just is nice, and is just I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. You just love everybody, kind of like Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine's got yeah. It's the world they create is kind of goofy and fun and has heart. 
anyway, so boy, I, I did. I enjoyed that though. I, I enjoyed talking about television. So uh, let, let's wrap this portion of the podcast up. And uh, later this week, we will release a different episode talking about predictions and takes and things like that. Uh, and so you will get that into your feed in the next couple of days. So until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.